these little hidden organs that you can't see and you can't touch and you can't feel them and they don't beat and they don't hurt and they don't swell and they don't give you a rash and so there's sort of this little hidden organ that's hidden away and nobody really knows anything about them and certainly not what they do. Hello everyone and welcome to the first Global Kidney Podcast of 2022. Um, Today we're going to focus on World Kidney Day. My name is Smita Sinner and I'm a nephrologist from Salford Royal in the north of England and my co-host is Roberto Pequafilia who everybody knows Um, and we're lucky to be joined today by uh, um, Asaf Louis and Robin Langham and I'm going to let them introduce themselves so I'll start with Robin. Thanks, Mita, and thanks, Roberto, and thanks, everyone, for the really kind invitation to talk about World Kidney Day. I'm a nephrologist from Melbourne in the south of Australia, if you like, uh, and uh, I have a particular interest in clinical trials and drug development of of kidney disease, and I'm the co-chair of the uh, collaboration or the alliance of uh, two major organisations that oversee World Kidney Day. One, of course, is the ISN, um, who I represent, and the other is the IFKF WKA, which uh, SF represents. And I'm going to let him introduce himself now. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm SF Louis from Hong Kong. I'm actually trained and work in Manchester. <laughs> so, so interesting to hear about that. It's the same hospital. So what a small world. I come back to Hong Kong in 1988 and I've been a consultant in nephrology and, and various positions in society nephrology. And I'm actually 70 years old. <laughs> you may not believe it. I'm actually retired. Since my retirement 10 years ago, uh, my left brain is on work of kidneys in Hong Kong. My right brain is for kidneys in the international scene. Currently, I am the president of International Society, uh, International Federation of Kidney Foundations, Working Alliance. I'm also the co-program director of the World Kidney Day uh, Johnston Committee. So nice to meet all of you. Well, welcome uh, you both. And uh, SF, our listeners cannot see you, but you look really great. <laughs> I know. Uh, World Kidney Day, World Kidney Day um, has been around for a while, very important initiative. Just to, to review the recent um, uh, themes for the campaign in 2020, um, the, uh, the theme was from prevention to detection and equitable access to care. And then in 2021, we had the patient and care partner empowerment as the as the um, topic of choice. And now in 2022, we shift gears. And um, Robin, I wanted to just ask you why that, uh, why, why the choice for this year was to address the gap in knowledge at all levels of kidney care. Thanks, Roberto. I mean, this was a, a, a decision by the, the Joint Steering Committee, which has representatives of both organisations. And it's, I think it's fair to say it's becoming increasingly increasingly hard to come up with something new every year. This is now the 17th year of World Kidney Day, having started in 2006. And even though all of the themes 
do underpin the notion of you know kidney health for everyone everywhere having an absolute an actual focus is is sort of getting a little bit harder as the years go on uh, health literacy i think is is becoming more of a problem or recognised as more of a problem in terms of our health outcomes, broadly speaking, in all chronic diseases. And I think this is specifically so in kidney disease. And I know there's been a number of studies done looking at the basic knowledge about kidneys in our communities and you know, I sort of feel like part of the problem is that the kidneys are these little hidden organs that you can't see and you can't touch and you can't feel them and they don't beat and they don't hurt and they don't swell and they don't give you a rash. And so there's sort of this little hidden organ that's hidden away and nobody really knows anything about them and certainly not what they do. And um, there's an awful lot of, you know, misconceptions about what the kidneys do and how they get injured. So just starting with basic health literacy about what the kidneys do and where they are has been a big, big sort of thing in terms of helping our patients. And this is sort of, there's extra layers on top of the need for health literacy because obviously as kidney disease progresses and and other aspects of your health get worse and there's increasingly more information, more empowerment, more functional need to have an element of health literacy to understand and to look after yourself and to control what can be controlled as, as the disease progresses. And that's from right through the stages of chronic kidney disease to transplantation to back onto dialysis and you know this is patients and their family but I think from an advocacy point of view we've really struggled with uh, with policymakers and with you know jurisdictions and 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 governments where it's a similar problem to the the average person in the street doesn't really know what kidneys are and where they do and where they are it's a similar thing for the people that we're trying to engage in terms of being able to make sensible policies about managing kidney disease and have a real impact on the community outcomes well, and just to add to that, I mean, there's no emoji on the kidneys, right? Correct. So we're, we're really missing that. And this might be part of the problem in the communication and the, you know, the, the knowledge around kidney disease. Yeah. <laughs> One of the outputs is going to be an emoji. <laughs> around kidneys. Jumping kidneys. I mean, that does that does raise a, 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 a sort of starts thinking about what are we going to do? We know what the challenges are. We we know that it's it's poorly understood. It's certainly uh, there are very limited strategies that are adopted. Um, how do you think um, World Kidney Disease, World Kidney Day uh, can help change that? And, and what changes do you want to see um, around the around the world? So that's a really good question, um, and and I guess in a way this is almost like a call to arms for nephrologists and and other uh, health practitioners working in the renal um, field to be able to really be mindful of the fact that health literacy is an important part of the outcomes for our patients and their well-being. Um, there's quite a bit of work being done at the moment as to what it is that is lacking, that how to best go about improving that notion of of health literacy and your functional capacity to understand and impact your outcome. And certainly from what we understand at the moment is that um, a large percentage of it is just in how the health practitioners communicate with their patients and, and being able to be more mindful of that, being able to learn new skills, being able to develop new skills is certainly part of it. Um, 
you know, there are countries in the world now, and, oh, sorry, Mayor Culpa, Australia, where accreditation of a, of a hospital includes a requirement that a hospital has an element of being able to improve the community's health literacy, recognising that this is really important for, for the health outcomes of their patients. So um, in a way, it's a, it's a call to arms. In a way, it's also a call for more research to actually understand where is that link between poor health literacy and poor outcomes. Um, we don't believe that it's all about, um, you know, socioeconomic determinants of health necessarily, but in a way it's almost access and, 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 and the sorts of resources that are needed to be able to, uh, to give patients the opportunities to learn and, and discover more about, about their disease. And I think that does bring us on to um, one of um, ASAF's passions, really, wasn't it, around how we can in- really encourage organisations to take this seriously, because you've been talking about how you've had accreditation and uh, and you've also commented that it's not just down to socioeconomic factors. Um, I mean, my husband um, has zero health literacy um, and those the factors for that are very different. Um, so it is important for organisations to look at that as well. So. Asaf, I know you're passionate about this, keen, keen to get your views. Yes, I, I think uh, Robin has actually uh, painted a whole picture of what's actually needed. Uh, I think it's very good that we focus on health literacy this time around. Uh, even to me, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning every day from, from this so-called health literacy. We thought we know everything, but we don't. Uh, we in nephrology is what we know everything, don't we? Um, but the fact that we now... I, I, I asked some of my nephrologists calling, have you heard of this word called organizational health literacy? They say, what are you talking about? Uh, then I share with them, I actually done a webinar with them last night. They share the we'll move on. In the past, we talked about health literacy. It's the patients, it's, oh, they are there. They're not good enough. They don't understand things. They don't want to do things. But it's now very clearly set by, by one of the recent organizations that is two part. That's personal health literacy, the persons. Uh, they they need to find find the information. If they find it, they need to be understand. They can understand it and then to use it. Is that a matter? And the consequence of that, whether it's HIV, that is four step. I think Robin actually laid out very well. The first thing is find. I'll come back to find in a minute for the survey. Uh, mm-hmm. But the other thing that's mainly I want to talk about is the organization how literacy. It's the role of healthcare professionals, doctors, nurses, healthcare people and healthcare provider, the, the renal unit, how do you communicate with patients? And the healthcare organization, uh, which are like health information, like kidney foundations, we might not provide service, but we're there to promote and educate. I won't use the word education now, it's too one way, it's, a, it's how do we connect and communicate with patients uh, to provide information. Now, let me share with some of the view that with my group, we've been talking about that. Um, in giving the right drugs to patients, we got five rights, some of us remember that. I actually adopt that. The statement that we want to push out is that there are five rights to provide health information. You have to be right information in terms of content and context of what their condition is at the right time. There's no point talking to a patient about prevention when they're on that stage, she said. You need to talk to a patient before they got a kidney disease. You need to talk to a patient before they got diabetes, one step forward. From right source, patients don't know where to get it. If you use Google, Google diabetes, you get 10 billion hits. Which one do you trust? So it has to come from a factual, reliable, and trustable things. I think it's the role of ISN, ISKF, to put a good website, 
where people can go and look at everything they want. It has to be the right format, right format, the forthright is right format in a manner that they can be understood. I actually, recently, I had to host a series of nine webinars for patients. I invited, I worked very closely with society and nephrology and all the doctors want to talk. And I have to scale them down and say, look, look, you're not talking to doctors. They, they, you don't understand that. So the right format is more possible. And through the right channel. Now, this is a change. The survey, which I actually done with our members, asking them, asking our patients, where do you find your information? What do you want to know? It's so mind-boggling. I will share the details with everyone on the World Kidney Webinar. I made an announcement now, is it? On the 10th of March, there's a World Webinar by ISNIFKF. I'm going to share our data to connect and be connected. That's a mind-boggling what the patient's telling us, what they actually want to know. They want to know more about prevention. They want to, to know more about how to live better. They're not too keen about what my creatinine is, but of course they need to know that. And most important, when I ask them, where do you get your result, uh, information, and where do you want to get information? Majority of say, Doctors, nurses, doctors, nurses, doctors, nurses. So I want to put this very clear to everyone. We have a very important role, a challenging role. And how do we share information to our patients and the community is most important. They trust us. They trust us. They don't trust anything else. Now, as you know, if I don't know, it's me, when the patient comes to see you, it's good if they got five minutes, 10 minutes, they cannot get a lot of information. So we need to, I fully support the move by us to really provide accurate data, making use of the social media on the platform. And that can, we can search 24 hours a day anywhere around the world. Trustable things. So that's my take. My focus is on how to improve the organization. And that is for all of us, including some with healthcare professionals, the doctors and nurses, pharmacists, dietitians, all of us. So SF, you you mentioned about this pilot survey that that you organized and delivered to patients and and share with us some of the you know this information. For instance, what you know who 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 are patients trusting to provide them with information? Any other you know high level takes from that from the results of the pilot survey that you could share with us today? Well, I think the key point is um, they want to hear from us. The healthcare professionals, they trust them. They haven't, the problem with, I ask them, do you think you got enough information? They, they, on, on average, it's got about 6.5 as usual, like all the polls out of 10. But my concern is they only know what they think they need to know. They don't know what they actually need to know. Do you, do you get my take? You know, they, they don't really know what actually know because I hear, hear from the patients. I only know that there was hemodialysis because no one told them there is CAPD home dialysis. They never got a full picture. So those, those are the things, those are the gaps. So I think we can be structured better to provide information in the process. I actually did a webinar myself, say the title is very interesting, at the crossroad, at the crossroad. What do you mean by crossroad? All of you will know when the creatinine gets you 500, 600, where do you go? What do you want to do? When do I need dialysis? How can I take paramalysis? We need to focus on that, on that sort of angle with them. So I am processing the data from 11 countries at this moment. Um, I call this a pilot study, almost like a really digest poll. And we're going to, I'm looking very forward. I'm actually putting together an international a panel of experts like Anne and other people. 
uh, we want to commission a series of in-depth more study into the thing we have. I'm just testing water. And the first thing is to understand how they're able to find the information, what they want to know. We Too often, we, we tell them what we think they need to know. Mm. And this is quite different from what they actually need to know. But they, they don't actually know what they need to know. So this is a vicious cycle, isn't it? If you get what I mean. There's an element of Donald Rumsfeld there, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the unknown yeah. unknowns. Look, I think, you know, and, and obviously one of the, that's probably the point that SF has made, which is that this really has to be uh, a, a consumer-led initiative. We can't really afford to sit back as all-knowing and all the rest of it, very clever nephrologists, just deciding what it is our patients don't understand. And we really do have to... Um, approach health literacy programs, particularly in kidney disease, as as a collaborative and a, and a patient led effort, um, really for us to sit down and 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 you know deeply listen to what it is our patients are telling us and and where their deficits are, where their questions are. You know they may not necessarily want to know about the ins and outs of calcium phosphate balance and how that affects their PTH. They may actually you know and and. I'll tell you, very few of my medical students want to know that, but um, they, there's obviously some more important things that 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 our patients really want to be able to know about their disease. And it's in order to be able to help them to the very best of our capacity, we really need this to be a you know a, a, a patient-led initiative and to be able to listen to them and their needs. We can flip the questions. We can flip the question. Let me just, just mention, I just want to follow up what Robin said is so important. On the topic of calcium phosphate, from the patient angle, they're not asking this question. They ask, why have I got itch? How can I get rid of my itch? We need to flip that. Our title should not be, I'm going to tell you about calcium phosphate. <laughs> my my, my, my talk for this is, how can I have less symptoms? How can I manage my symptoms? We need to flip it completely. So I think this is really exciting time for all of us because if we can actually get people focused, we ask the question in the way that the patient actually wanted. It's not our textbook on nephrology, <laughs> so to speak. So this is health literacy for everyone because we yeah. need to be, we need to change the way we communicate. Um, okay. So our approach to health literacy needs to change. Um, and you've out, and you know, we're going to get some fantastic data from your survey. And there sounds like there's a real swell of enthusiasm for taking this forward, accepting that this is this is relatively early compared to perhaps our understanding of you know albuminuria. Um, but how, you know, what activities are? Uh, are you guys and the the ISN and the World Kidney Disease Team planning on taking forward through 2022 and into 23 to really drive this forward and, and make a change? Yeah, there's also a call for, especially this broadcast is going to listen by a lot of um, very high level, very good nephrologists doing research. I, I personally think there's a call for, yes, we, we, we want to do basic scientific research, but don't ignore this, the, the clinical, not, not even clinical, and my interest in the personal. And we won't call, call them patient, it's a person. Um, we need to do quantitative and qualitative narrative from the patients, um, understand what the problem is, okay? This is this is very exciting. Um, I think some of the journals are now uh, already beginning to focus on, on the health, uh, kidney health uh, as a separate entity compared to the very precise scientific aspect, they're equally important. 
In terms of things, though, um, in answer to your your question, um, Samita, about what is happening on World Kidney Day, it's it's never really been something I guess that's been restricted. We've never really tried to restrict the activities around the world uh, related to what the theme might be for the year. And and we've really been very careful to encourage and enable and celebrate participation in whatever way anybody um, around the world wants to be able to celebrate that. And, and whether that's looking at kidney transplantation, whether that's looking at blood pressure measuring clinic, whether that's lighting up um, uh, the Empire State Building, in in World Kidney Day colours, it 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 really is a celebration of World Kidney Day. The the issue of the theme itself, I guess, is is more for some of the press releases and let's say podcasts and and also some of the social media um, uh, campaigns that are happening. And and you might start to see. I'm hoping that you'll start to see um, the current. Um, social uh, media campaign which is being run uh, out of the ISN office which is to show us where your kidneys are and it's a very simple graphic of someone standing there with their two hands held in um, fists which is about the size of a kidney and then either sitting with their two fists behind their back or in front this is where your kidneys are and the sorts of things that we think everybody knows about actually in actual fact nobody really knows about and you know something we'd like to see is our transplant patients doing a similar thing but show us where your transplant kidney is um so, so I guess that's probably the, the the main thing from from a social media perspective. When we're really encouraging people to to take a photo of themselves with their hands in fists, and where are your kidneys, and show us where your kidneys are, and and that's the first thing. And the rest of it about um, patient literacy, about particularly the advocacy and how we can start to build a, a literacy, a health literacy advocacy campaign uh, in order to engage uh, government and policy. Policymakers, I guess, is the other really important thing. This is important because um, I spend quite a bit of time talking about pro- asking people to donate kidneys. That's really down the stream. I want to move away from that. I want to move right to the beginning. Okay, uh, if I can stop diabetes, because diabetes now costs fifty percent of our new case, so we need to work on diabetes. We work on diabetes. We need on work on getting people to do exercise. <laughs> it's it's well. And to prevent all those, so we need to work upstream. I think this is what we are calling for now: is actually moving upstream. Just talk about eating, maybe just share the view that we look at. You know, our patient. One of the things that they actually complain is everyone likes to eat, and tell them that you cannot eat this and not that. It's not the way to do in the future. Mm-hmm. So currently, there's a campaign to say eat smart and eat well. I actually invite the patient to choose. Just I actually subscribe to New York Times cooking. It's very interesting. Take the menu. And I asked our dietitian, can you massage it in the sense that how can I know the protesting? How can I manage how much size of meat I can eat? And let them eat. Let them enjoy the food. I hope food is back with we podcast. Uh, we, we actually still have some new idea. We, we, there's a new way of life now. It's quite different from what we used to be. They're quite different from what I teach in Manchester as a uh, lecturer. <laughs> it's so different. You know, it's a new approach. It's smart. It's well. Exercise. Those are the basic things you need to do to prevent kidney disease. That's my take. Asaf, <laughs> you, you mentioned briefly the uh, an activity that will come up in March. That's the webinar. Uh, do you want to yeah. take take 
take the opportunity to invite our listeners to yes yes please do now let me let me just see where i get a date it's the 10th of march because of the time zone we have two sessions webinar one is 11 a.m cet european time and that'll be chaired by robin who's still awake at that time and the second <laughs> webinar is 10 p.m. CET time. That is for American and Australia if they want to stay up late. And they'll be chaired by Cam. Um, we will have patients advocacy, Maria Victor and someone from uh, North America to share the experience. I want them to tell us what you want to know, what the one is. And N1 is going to give us more talk. It's only eight minutes by each of us. Talk about how literacy, the new definition, the new approach. I'm going to give a talk on to connect, we connect. You already hear what I actually want to say. How do we connect with patients? Uh, we want them to be connected. And we actually got a nurse educator from Nigeria talking about how healthcare professionals can engage patients. And then Paul Nathan is going to talk about advocating for better kidney health on the more political issue. And then we have a Q&A. So this is going to be a very interesting, very useful webinar. I will be doing it both sessions. I'll be up at six o'clock, four o'clock in the morning <laughs> for the American session. I'm quite happy to do that. I did that the same with Spade last year as well. So we'll be there. Yeah. Thank you, Asaf. And it looks like Robin will be there with you as well, both uh, red-eyed and bleary-eyed. Um, but it's out. But you know, thank you so both so much for coming on the podcast today, and also thank you for uh, for the work that you're doing. Um, I must admit, I did not know what organisational literacy was, um, and I hope that over the course of the next twelve months, we'll have a, a better understanding of the value of health literacy as a whole, and hopefully, it'll change the conversations that we have with our patients. And in five years, we'll look back and we'll think, what on earth were we doing? Um, and that's very much thanks to the work that the IS. And um, the World Kidney Day and the IFK effort are doing. So, thank you both so much um, for joining us today. Thanks, Major. Thank Thanks you. for your time.